It is time for the new Dan Vogler 4D Experience Podcast. Are you ready? Buckle in. Let's go for a ride. Now it's time for the rant of the day. I don't mean to offend. Gonna say it anyway. Oh, God. Rant of the day. Rant of the day. Just had my fucking COVID test. SARS COVID 2 virus. That's the virus that caused COVID 19. That's what they were testing for. RNA. Sifting through my DNA to find the RNA. you know what? It's 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 ridiculous. I I I I heard somewhere that this test isn't even supposed to be for this. Except these are the rules. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> and that's what uh, I mean. Like that's what that's what happens when you when you say to the nurse or the doctor or anything. That's what they say. Well, everyone's doing it, and these are the rules, and that's what's set in place until it's a really bad virus. And I, and then uh, this woman, this nurse was laughing at me. She was laughing at me because of the look on my face. And I waited for my wife to leave the room, and I waited for my kids to go upstairs. And I said, it's not funny. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not funny, man. Um, she t- I, I basically got muscled into doing muscled. You know, I got to sign a form. You know, I got to do this in order to put food on the table. In order to go get my costume fitting, I got to do the test. So what's the test? It's a swab at the back of the throat and a swab in the nose, okay? I've never had this before. I didn't know that I was going to have a full-on gag reflex. She fucking puts that thing... Oh, right. She did it like 12 times. Not 12. Three times. Because my, my tongue kept on fighting her. I was like, get back, get back. And uh, so she, she finally gets a scrape off the back of my throat. I, I pull back. I'm just like retching. Already in my head, I'm just like, whoa, whoa, twice a week. And then she comes at me again right away with the swab. And I'm looking at the swab. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, wait, is there something on the swab already? Like, what the fuck is that? It's all wet. And I go, and she looks at me and she goes, oh, it's this, we use the same swab. You do the swab at the back of the throat, take the same swab, put it in your nose. <laughs> At which point I'm like already gagging, and then I'm just like, "What?" Wow. Then I'm like, "Wait, are you trying to make me throw up?" <laughs> they say they they try to get as much surface area as they possibly can to get the best possible result. 
is the best possible result taking bacteria, food, whatever the fuck is in the back of your throat, strep the cock eyes, something your tonsils are fighting. <laughs> you smear that and then you just shove that in someone's nose. You're going to do that twice a week to people? Right after lunch? <laughs> Didn't we learn when we were toddlers not to stick our fingers, not to stick food, not to stick our hands in our mouth and then stick it in our nose? And Didn't we learn that? <laughs> and now some fucking stranger's going to do it to you every week. I'm putting on rubber gloves. Um, I don't know, man. They may have to start... Sizing Josh Gad up for the Jacob costume. I'm not fucking kidding here. They better figure something out. This is this is bullshit. I'm not doing that twice a week. They're lucky they got one out of me. I don't know what the fucking result is. I don't even know if I'm going to believe it. <laughs> it's all fucking algorithms. It's all fucking... 24 hours. I'll get the I'll get the result back in 24 hours. I said, is there another test? Nope, this is it. The only one. <laughs> I know there's a spit test. There's got to be a spit test out there. I mean, what's the... F- I mean, listen, if I can spit... If I can, if I can spit from the back of my throat into a fucking test tube, it's the same goddamn thing, man. Well, these are procedures. Okay, so this lady, she takes it between the time it gets from my mouth to my nose to the fucking bag. You know, who knows what the fuck it could get contaminated. I already feel sick from having whatever the fuck is in the back of my throat and my nose. I'm just like, what the fuck? Am I coming down with something? Okay. <laughs> and then and then she hands this off to a, a driver who's like, Oh, all right, let me see. Uh, yeah, let me, hold on, let me put my coffee down. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for a little while here. It's all right, I, I've just been picking my nose. And, oh, let me hand it, you just hand it over to me. Yeah, I'm just going to just get this sample right over to the hospital. Right over to the lab. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, it's a couple of days later now, actually. I was listening back to this rant, and... Um, I've gotten my results back, and uh, I am free to work. Free to work. Um, and I've since done more research. Um, trying to figure out. Okay, so if I'm not, I'm going to be part of this system. I'm in the system. I um, I'm going to allow this to happen every week as this test evolves. Um, I am going to desensitize myself okay so what is this scientific masturbation that we're we're putting ourselves through what is it really for and i've i've since done more research and um i understand that there hasn't been a coax postulate test done for covid19 um which means that they haven't isolated it <laughs> they, they they haven't they they haven't done the basic testing that you do to figure out if a virus actually is a virus 
They haven't done that for COVID-19. Now, that's a huge red flag. Either they don't want to, because it's it's um, better for the narrative to not know exactly what this virus is, or they already know what it is, and they don't need to. So if they already know, let's say it's that timeline where they already know what this virus is, <clears throat> they know where it was coming from, then that's a big red flag too. So if they haven't isolated the test, if they haven't isolated the virus, what the fuck are they looking for every twice a week in my mouth? And if they know what it is, then how come there isn't a very specific test that you can just... You don't have to go sifting through RNA and DNA in this ass-backwards way of detecting if someone has a, 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 a tiny fragment of virus in their system. Um. <laughs> Everyone's got these tiny fragments. Okay, it's kind of like... They're using a goddamn nuclear telescope to find this virus. Where if someone actually had the virus and they had a test that could test for that specific virus, um, it would be easy to tell if someone was had the coronavirus or not. <laughs> but this way, for some reason, they have to sift through all of this microscopic DNA to detect. It's like they're sifting through, you know, the fucking sands on the bottom of the ocean to see if they can, you know, with a fucking metal detector trying to find a little beep, you know? Um, a little, a, a coin. A sliver of a coin. Um, in comparison to the entire ocean... That little sliver of a coin is a goddamn fart in the fucking wind. And this test, you turn the dial up and turn it down, you can find nothing. Or you can find uh, that little coin that they find in your system. They can amplify that, that up to, you know, a hundredfold and say, oh shit, man, you're sick. Um, the body is naturally getting rid of toxins, corona, whatever the fuck. You may still have, you know, uh, strands of some flu shot, corona flu shot, because they put that shit in that stuff, from five years ago still floating in your system that they pick up with this RNA test. I just think it's very interesting. Um, now, look, I don't want to put a monkey in the wrench. I just don't, I, I don't want to be a goddamn guinea pig. I want to know exactly where, I mean, are they... You know, in the fine print of what you sign every time you take this test, it says, yeah, we're going to use this. We're going to send this information out to whoever the fuck we want. Who are they sending that information out to? Um, you know, and I, I'm, I feel strange. You know, a lot of people talking about this, but I am in the system and... If they catch wind of this, could they at any moment be like, oh, let's turn up old Fogey's virus count this week. See if he'll shut up. Um, 
because it's it's it really seems like uh, they want us um, at the push of a button to be to you know on paper in the system they can say whether you're sick or not. Now I, you know I'm just speculating here, but we're on the same system as the NBA or whatever. They conveniently haven't found anybody sick. <laughs> Patterson on the Batman set. He's next door. He just got corona. How did Batman get coronavirus? Pray tell. They must be testing his ass like a motherfucker. How did he get it? It's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting how this is. So now that's totally halted the production. Huh. I mean, now that's a way to halt a production, right? Star adds it. Everything stops. Oh, these, these minor people have it. Keep it going. Now, look, I, fuck, I, you know, this is, this is some, I'm just speculating here. I just find it interesting that that's a very high profile. Batman has it, you know? Um... Anybody else get it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've got my kids in school. My daughter's going to school every day. Wear a mask. Ah, tell her, you take that goddamn mask off. I don't say goddamn, but I say take that mask off whenever you don't need to wear it. Um, and she's a wonderful angel. You know, she adapts. Um, I was hearing some crazy shit coming out of, where was it, Switzerland, Sweden, Stockholm. You know, I was going through the interwebs and this woman was frantic. Uh, she's convinced that um, they're going to, pull some false flag outbreaks in schools and shut schools down and keep kids quarantined in school away from their parents. Um, and you can't get your kid unless you're vaccinated. They can't come out unless they're vaccinated. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Soiling green is people. Um, I... Yeah, I'm telling you right now, if they lock my kid down um, in the school here, uh, you're going to read some interesting headlines about uh, Fogler <laughs> taking justice into his own hands. Um, there's certain things, there's certain, there's, there's certain things, I, I don't, you know, these people don't, don't know me, these, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if that kind of thing comes to England and America, um, when people's children are... Now, I, I think that the people may be making these rules up, these fascist rules, maybe they don't have kids because they must be idiots if they think that 
parents are going to sit back and just be timid if you people will be people parents will become lions and lionesses um they will go to a primordial place when you're uh, attacking their DNA, their lineage. Um, mothers will gain uh, adrenalized super strength and rip fucking door hinges off to get their babies out. <laughs> I, I don't think these people understand <laughs> what they're dealing with here. When my daughter was born... And they put her on that scale, and the fumes were in the air, and the pheromones and the hormones, and I got a big old whiff of that. I became a hybrid lion man. I knew what it was to be to to sacrifice yourself for something else. I knew in that moment um, that I would hurt. Anyone or anything that hurt this child, that did not treat this child like the angel that it was. Um, and I'll tell you something. If my kids are put in that scenario, uh, I ain't going to be gregarious, happy Fogler anymore. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That, that um, I will uh, adapt to the times. Um and, uh, <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? There's only so much, um, of this masturbatory bureaucracy, science, mafia, medical mafia that, that people will put up with. Um, I'm at my threshold. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering, um, I'm I'm you know I'm very skeptical of these tests, very very skeptical, obviously. Um, and I'll play the game for as long as I have to. But um, there are certain things, and uh, that I, I I will not abide by. I, there are certain things that I will not allow. Um, I will not, certain humanitarian rights that I will not let taken, not, um, I will not let them be taken away from me and my family. And, uh, I told them, like, I, I, I'll, um, I'll be in the middle of fucking, you know, a scene and, uh, uh you know, acting, uh, with my mustache and um, if I hear mandatory vaccinations, anything like that, before they yell "cut," I you will you will see a muggle disapparate. I will poof be gone. My mustache will be floating there, and my must my mustache will just gently like a like a a leaf will just gently fall to the floor. And everyone be like, wait a minute, where, where did Dan go? And I will be packing up my kids and going to the uh, the bug out spot. Um, and uh, that spot, um, you know, whatever um, weapon.
weapons I have in my hand to protect myself and my family from anyone coming to um, illegally vaccinate us. Um, or legally vaccinate us. <laughs> Without my consent. Then they will have to pry that weapon. Pitchfork. I don't know. Fireworks. They will have to pry those weapons from my cold dead hands. And then vaccinate my corpse. At which point I, you know, fine. Go for it. Um, uh, okay. Nice. Got that off my chest. And now for our interview. Hello. Hey, how are you? How you doing, brother? Holy I'm shit, Bob. Hold on, I'm going to take you off speakerphone, even if it's not very entertaining. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's new, man? What are you? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in uh, Northern California at my home, which I've been at forever. <laughs> feel like okay. All, I feel like I never go anywhere anymore because I don't. Yeah, no one goes anywhere anymore. Yeah. It's a very strange world since I saw you last. I didn't hang up on you, did I? Hello? Hello? Hello, hello. Are you still there? Now I am. Okay. I thought I did that. I put the phone in my ear. (laughs) Yeah, I I I don't know technology anymore. Yeah, me neither. I, I was so I was relieved when you said we were just going to talk on the phone. <laughs> right. Everybody, it's like, it's so funny because like everybody's using a different platform. Like I've done a few of these podcasts, and like everybody's uh, like, what we're doing on Zoom, we're doing on like I didn't know there were so many varieties because the last time when I would rarely use it, I'd be on Skype, which is not great, but you know, it works. And then, like, everybody's got a different one that they like to use. So every time I go to do a podcast, I have to download and learn new software. But uh, the phone is much better. What's fucked up is I'm, I, I, I had back-to-back meetings today, all on different fucking venues, uh, fucking Zoom and fucking Skype and fucking yeah. phone calls and, and Google Meets, and, and they're all back-to-back. Yeah. And God, God forbid you have, like, a technical which I always do, which is why right. I played here. It's just like Jesus. It's 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 it gets to be too much, man. It's like yeah. But what are you gonna Agreed. do? This is how we, this is how we do this while we're yeah. locked down. I know it's ironic because we have you know like in a weird way. I would have thought that I'd be excited that there'd be so many technical options for staying in touch with everybody and. It's weirdly wearing me down. <laughs> like I almost don't want to talk to anyone because it's just too depressing. I get you, man. I get you. Um, it used to be nice so to get on, to get on the, a conversation so you could like plan ahead for something to see each other. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Let, let's make plans to, to actually see each other. That's a rare yeah. thing now. You can't do so that anymore. When's the, last, when's the last time I saw you? Uh, I think Comic Con wasn't it? No, we yeah we almost saw each other in New York, but you were on you were flying back from the UK and we missed each other, and that was like last year. Oh man, 
Well, yeah, we've we've spent a few Comic Cons together. We've uh, we've we've sat next to each other signing things, which is yeah. I think WonderCon was the last time I saw you in person. Now that I think about it, I was the year before last. What are you working on now, man? You said you were you were uh, trying to meet some deadlines. Yeah, I'm doing a. Um, I was just wrapping up issue two of a three issue, 44 page each uh, black label series for DC uh, with Hellblazer, uh, John Constantine, uh, written by Tom Taylor. Sweet love, yeah, that. I'm, I'm, love. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched, and it, it's great script. And I'm, you know, I'm 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 told that I'm I'm doing great work on it, so. You know, my insecurity never lets me see if I am, am or not. So, <laughs> what's really funny is because um, I was supposed to interview you. I was gonna because we just July was uh, Comic Con month on my podcast, right? So I was doing uh, yeah. all these. You know, so I interviewed. Um, I I had you schedule back to back with um, with Raphael Grandpa, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, I had a very I had a very embarrassing moment with him because I had, you know, I do, I do research. I do research. And, uh, so I, I you're going to, you're going to laugh. So I saw, and I, I, I mixed, I mixed like some information up and I was like, Oh fuck. And so I said to him, uh, so I understand that you got into comic books because of your love of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. <laughs> and he, was, and he, he was just like, um, no. <laughs> like, oh fuck, that's Derek. I was like, that's what Derek had. Shit. And then I just like started to backtrack, and I was like, well, didn't you? And then uh, thank God, because all, most artists have some kinds of when they were kids, they started drawing like uh, yeah. anamorphic hybrid. Like everyone has that, you know, Duck Man. And, you know, I had that. I made all sorts of crazy animal wear wear bears and you know crazy like human hybrid uh, animal creatures so you were the one that got into teenage mutant ninja turtles as did i that well, was like my I, I, my intro. I, I hate to i hate to embarrass you <laughs> well fuck but no <laughs> um Are you what, kidding? What, you, what you may have read i'm not kidding but what you may have read was that um, I, I, my first book was a book that got published because of the popularity of Ninja Turtles. So I have mentioned okay, that, that in the past because it came out just a few years. I, I, my first comic book ever was called Space Beaver, and uh, it was just based on a doodle. If anything, I was kind of doing a parody of stuff I was reading at the time. Uh, I really loved Rocket Raccoon and uh, Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. And so those books really made oh, – I, I, I used to draw that stuff a lot. And so I made up my own God. character based on something my friend kind of kept saying as a joke. Um, and he kept saying Space Bear, but he would, like, interrupt to say that because it was from an interview we saw with Kiss. Um, and it would, get, it would crack us up. So that got stuck in my head, and then I thought Space Beaver, and I doodled it. And I was, I was a junior in high school at the time, like, like a teenager. So um, I, I ended up writing. I would draw and write comics just to entertain myself. So I started to write and draw panel by panel uh, Space Beaver. And I started making up characters and his buddy and, and created a bad guy. And I, and then it, I ended up writing what would become the first eight, pages of uh, what would be my first published comic book and um but in that time like i met uh, a friend who uh, was a security guard at the uh place i worked 
and he uh, he was inking and sketching in a book, and we started talking. He was a little older than me, and a uh, great guy named Michio Okamura who went on to work a lot in video games. And uh, but he taught me kind of like, oh, this is what Bristol board is, and how to you know these these try these pens, not those, and this this is real ink, and and so I started creating the original pages for Space Beaver Number One because he had a was working for a black and white small publisher that was publishing a book called Shuriken, and I think their Viz was the name of the company. Um, it's a long time ago. And they were going to come out with – they, too, were, like, getting onto this funny animal black and white boom, which apparently was the, was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. Uh, but once Ninja Turtles hit real big, they were uh, – everybody was eager to find the next Ninja Turtles. They kind of believed, like, you know, there would be more gold in them than our hills. And so they kept uh, – so as I had this funny animal character um, – then I was, they were willing to publish it. But then a local store owner that I used to go to, I started showing him the work. He goes, but are they, where are they going to put this? I was like, give me a backup feature in this comic. He goes, ah, oh, no, man, this is good. I'll, I'll bankroll this. I'll pay you. Let's publish this ourselves. And that's how Space Beaver was born. But it was like the only book this company ever published. I did it for about 11 issues. I, I starved the whole time. <laughs> I ended up working behind the comic, the counter at his comic book shop because right after we put out like number two, the whole thing tanked. Like the entire black and white boom went fizzled and the balloon popped. And so, um, you know, nobody wanted Space Beaver. And uh, But it got me going to conventions and that ultimately ended up to me meeting people and getting a career in comics. So it, it was a, it was a good journey. Captain Carrot, man, what a fucking blast in the past! Holy shit! Yeah, I, 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 I had love that thought character. about that. Yeah, I had that comic book. That was like one of my first. I, I was like, I felt like, oh, this was made for me. I had um, oh, I, when I, when I, yeah, one of my first comic books that I ever wrote or drew, just for you know, for shits and giggles, was uh, mm-hmm. it was a uh, a were chicken, and he, oh, he was chicken. like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he would uh, he would turn into a chicken or a rooster at at sunrise, you know, and oh, uh, yeah, um, and he was so embarrassed of it. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck, I'm a goddamn rooster," um, <laughs> you know. It was very silly. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I loved all that. I love I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like I was, I loved Raphael. Like he was, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the vigilante of all of them, and uh, I love those vigilante characters—the dark, brooding, you know, talking to themselves. He was—he was the Wolverine, you know, of the crew. And, yeah. And um, the, yeah, the berserker rage guy. You know, I, I, I always love those characters. Uh, I always love the characters that were um, New York-based city based like because yeah. I, 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 I grew up in New York and so you know Spider-Man and Daredevil and the Punisher and um, you know I, and whenever they fought each other like I like I, I loved all that gritty stuff man was that was that Me where too. you uh, lean toward yeah yeah absolutely um, well you know one of the things that was that made Space Beaver what it was and why I was inspired to do it is I, I was amused by the idea of these cute funny animals but like when they get into battles like you know blood and guts would fly out of them because I like that contrast it would make me laugh so you know and Space Beaver was super violent so it was uh, 
you know, so that the stuff that would end up, you know, kind of making me known for the boys and such would was born, mm. you know, back when I was a kid. Did you get into Yojimbo? Uh, is that what I'm saying? That right? I, I used to, yeah, no, I knew the character. No, I, I, I didn't read those books as much then because I was in the midst of creating something. And part of it was that they were sort of like about the time I really, like I have, I think I have an early issue of Ninja Turtles in black and white somewhere in my collection. And, um, you know, but I had, and I loved it. I thought it was, I love the art. I know know those guys a little bit, Um, but they, what was really cool about it was, I really liked that they were I, – I could tell from the title what they were doing. Like, it was a parody of everything that was happening then. Like, everything that was popular was in the title of that comic. And uh, so Teenagers, because Teen Titans was a hit, Ninja because of Wolverine and, you know, the Frank Miller stuff, uh, Mutant because of the X-Men, and then Turtles because funny animals were hidden. So – uh, I knew that they were uh, kind of making fun of it, and at the same time, the art was so great. I was like, "Oh, that's that's killer stuff." So um, I, but then it became a cartoon right about the time I was getting published, and a toy line, and it sort of you know became the more um, kitty version of the characters, and so it sort of turned me off to the where it was going. I really liked it when it was darker and grittier, and and. You know, they weren't like, Calabunga pizza, dude. You know, I liked it more like when you were the, the area you were talking about where Raphael was like, you know, stalking the city. Oh, yeah. Rooftops. Yeah. And, I was, uh, you know, and Shredder was, uh, you know, really vicious looking. And I, um, yeah, I was like, I used to draw Raphael on my notebook in, in school and people would be like, what are you drawing, dude? You know, it's like, a, <laughs> it's like oh, man, you got to read this comic book. And then, like, literally the next year, it was, Cowabunga, man. Everyone was into it. And I was like, no, no, that's not it at no. all. That's, that's not it. Yeah. Was, right? Uh, no, I'm not trying. Yeah, it kind of ruined it for me. Anymore. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. Going, it's it, like going from Dark Knight Returns to Batman 66, you know? Yeah, exactly. They just, phew, exactly. They just chopped the balls off of it. Um, hey, do you want to know what your name is? I, I tell people um, what the etymology of, of their name is. Whoever comes on the show. Sure. Okay. Okay. You got a cool name, man. Okay, Derek yeah. Robertson. Well, it's, a, it's got an it's got an unusual spelling thanks to my mom. Yeah. Um, Derek. You know what Derek means? Uh, I believe means leader of men. Whoa. Well, I like that. That's good. Leader of that men. Was one that, no, um, clearly I a misnomer for me. <laughs> yeah, I got um, I got oak oak hearted, oak hearted. Oak hearted. Yeah. Did you say oak hearted? Like oak tree. Yeah, oak nice. as an oak tree and hearted. Oak hearted. Interesting. Like it's strong, strong hearted. You know. Yeah, um, I like that. Uh, Robertson it implies some is, wisdom or something there too. Yeah. Uh, ancient heart, and uh, yeah, and then uh, your Robertson is uh, son of fame, Oak Hart, yes. son of fame. Yes, that would be uh, I was son of Robert. You know, it's a it, it's a and, uh, it's a Scottish name, and uh, my family tree goes back to Edinburgh, Scotland, actually Atoll, which is a little bit further up 
from Edinburgh, about two hours north, and I got to go there last year before everything closed down and uh, with my kids, and it was pretty cool. Uh, and so the uh, in Scottish, in Scotland, and the name is actually MacRaver because Mac is like the son, you know, so like son of. So it's like MacRaver would be the uh, name Robertson from the clan Donnacay. <laughs> So you are that's your that's your uh that's your medieval Conan name. You are O'Carton, son of fame. I like it. It's more for a sword in the air. And celebrate your lineage. I prefer to get my ass kicked. Because my sword's in the air instead of down in front of me protecting myself. <laughs> um, okay, so Let's get into the to the books, man. You have you have been involved in some of my favorite comic books um, ever. And uh, okay, so and I mean you have you okay. So I mean, what's it like? You you have written for you have drawn for everybody. You have drawn yeah. for Marvel, Marvel, DC, every character. Like you you've done it all, man. You fucking. Like I've been around a long time. Punisher, Wolverine, <laughs> I, I, but it's like, what's it like? You know, it's like what 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 is? I guess you're doing. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. You you you've basically extended your skills to every fucking major outlet, and now you're making stuff that is becoming your own branded universe, man. You're just you're just expanding. And it's well, I don't. I really. Thanks. Thanks. I, I don't feel it. <laughs> so what's it like if it's like going to work every day and just trying to do good work? I, uh, I'm really grateful about the show. The show has been awesome. Uh, the boys, like that's been incredible. Um, and I love, you know, right now, like I'm having a blast working on uh, Constantine because I haven't got to really draw him extensively, and for some reason. A lot of people thought I had, but I have never really had this much kind of an extended. I did seven pages of a book called Deceased with Tom Taylor, uh, the Deceased Good Day to Die special last year, and that led to uh, getting a green light on this black label book that we wanted to do. And so we're it's it's and it's come along. So like it's nice to be working on a new character that um, I love and I haven't got to really draw before. Um, extensively. So that's been fun. But uh, over the years, I don't know. It's like I, I love the DC and Marvel Universe, So uh, and it's, it's really rooted in my childhood psyche. Uh, my first, uh, one of my first beloved toys was Amigo Batman that you could take the cowl off, you know, the little 8-inch action figure, and I uh, love that. Wow, and yes, totally. That totally. was like my teddy bear when I was like four, you know. So, okay, so... so... Was Batman? So it's your deep favorite? rooted for me. Was okay. he your favorite Batman? Was Batman your favorite? Uh, he's one of them. Yeah, one of them. I mean, it's it's like it's 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 near and dear to my heart. I um I haven't uh, worked on Batman as much as I'd like to, um, but that's something that uh, I loved drawing him as a kid and um, drew him a lot as a teenager. And but he's great. He's a, he's just sort of a perennial character, but he's you know, it's Batman. It's not like I'm the only one. <laughs> Wolverine was more close to my heart at the time because as a teenager, nobody knew who Wolverine was when I was, you know, when I started falling in love with that character. 
and draw on him a lot in my sketchbooks. Uh, I was like 83, 84, and uh, nobody really knew who Wolverine was unless you were reading the X-Men comic book. He wasn't on television. There were no movies, uh, and people really kind of only knew uh, back in the 80s, like superheroes that were on TV. There wasn't The comics thing was not nearly as widespread and available as it is today. So um, I had an early, like, early affection for Wolverine and Nightcrawler and used to draw them all the time uh, in my sketchbooks and things like that. So I have a lot, of, like, a lot of this early art of Wolverine from when I was, like, 13, 14. Um, if, uh, you, if you had a gun to your head and they were like, Marvel and DC were like, look, we're going to lock you in a room for a year and we want you to come up with all sorts of characters for us and spin-off stories and who would you want to, you know, work for for in that scenario where they were just like you have you you have carte blanche to just come up with a bunch of new characters for us. Uh I'd probably lean DC because they were sort of like my first love and also um from a business perspective, <laughs> they got, uh, uh, you know, I would probably be able to keep some rights and, but really, really DC makes you keep, being locked in, keep rights. Being, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a trans metropolitan was creator own book. Um, and I stole the rights to that. And the boys was a creator own book for Wildstorm, And I mean, we maintained our rights to that because of the, they treated us fairly. So, um, and but Marvel would own everything in that in that scenario. Is that what you're saying? Ultimately, the stuff that I created for Marvel, they they owned. It was all work for hire. Gotcha. Um, okay, so Transmister Powell. But I love that universe. I liked. I really enjoyed drawing those characters. But you you enjoyed drawing the, the deceased characters, the DC characters talking about. I, you know, to me, it's like they're one big, it's sort of like my toy box. Like when I was a kid, like uh, I had a Spider-Man, you know, if you, if you look at my shelves right now, which I, I surround myself with action figures still, you know, it's, it's a lot of Star Wars, but I got some Marvel, I got some DC. They all live together in my brain. <laughs> so it's, uh, for me, I, my happiest time was uh, in the mid-90s when Marvel and DC were cooperating and doing crossover books and things like that. And I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. Like, I wish that they could all play in the same universe together a little more easily. I loved when I was, uh, you know, in the late 70s, they were putting out these really cool crossover books like Spider-Man and Superman and uh, Batman versus the Hulk. And, and they were the big oversized comics and just fantastically drawn. And um, that that stuff really made me happy. Like, that, to me, they they all live in one big world. I think the Marvel movies are great and I still totally love those characters. Um, I think just for my own creative self, I like, um, I, I, you know, if, I, if you said gun to my head, I'd probably have to go with DC. But if, hey, if Disney swallows up Warner Brothers, you may get your wish, man. Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, careful what you wish. Yeah, that's, that's not something I'm wishing for. I, I always feel like if I just really want to draw those characters at this point, I just sit down and draw them because somebody will want to, you know, buy the original or it's just fun. But I, I don't know. I, I'm more interested in at this point in, uh, I really love working on the books I'm working on at the moment, but I kind of want to keep creating original stuff uh, as much as possible going forward. 
I feel like you have such an irreverent style, you know, that when you like, when they, when you're drawing for like PG or, you know, mainstream uh, titles, um, I feel like maybe you got your, you know, one arm tied behind your back when you're doing that, you know, they're not, they're not letting you yeah, express all your a little skills. Bit. Like, I, like, I feel like, uh, like the boys, Transmetropolitan, you really got to express yourself to the fullest. Yeah. Would you say Yeah, that? we had a lot yeah, of, yeah. yeah, we had a lot of freedom on those books. I was, the worst thing, the hard part was uh, when they were going through a transition when I was working on Wolverine, so there was a lot of censure, you know, like a lot of editorial choices that would be like, you know, we weren't allowed to show blood. And a few years after I left, like that would change. They, you know, they made a Logan Max with old man Logan and there was blood everywhere and it was a big hit. But we didn't get to really do that, so I was always finding creative ways to not show things that I wanted to show, and uh, I really thought the world was ready for a super violent Wolverine movie uh, or a Wolverine comic, and then, you know, Logan would come out and be a huge hit, and they rated, made it rated R, and it did great. So, But there was a very different thinking when I was working on the book, so it didn't, um, I didn't really to get to do my like you know Wolverine Unleashed that I really wanted to do, but it was I'm still super proud of that book. Like we we did our best uh, to make something great. So, but then you got your revenge, man. You got to fucking draw naughty superheroes ripping each other apart, and it's like some of the most gruesome shit you'll ever read. It's fucking great. Yeah, well, that you know, <laughs> amazing imagination, and it was really in my sweet spot because at the time, it's like I was just happy to be creating and drawing superheroes as well as drawing a smart, dark book, you know, so it was like a win-win for me. It is a win-win, man. I fucking love that book. I, I, I really Thank you. Do. It, it, it's uh, The Boys was something very special. Jay Baruchel, Jay Baruchel um, introduced me to that book because I was... Seriously? Um, yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of Jay Baruchel. That's so cool to know that he reads The Boys. That makes me happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He... he um, I was over his place and we were talking about uh, working together, you know, because I was doing Moon Lake at the time. And he... Yeah. And he and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I have some ideas. Maybe we should collaborate. I was like, what kind of stories? What kind of what, what do you like? And um, he said, read this. And I read The Boys. And I was like, and it was, you know, it's outside of the box. It takes the whole genre. It throws it on its fucking head. And from there I found, you know, all the independent stuff that I fucking cherish today, like um, like 100 Bullets, you know, like Transmission, like the – you know the invisible, like all all those all the the stuff that are fringe. You know, independent titles like I fucking fell in love with all that. But the boys was my real first taste of that. Like I started off reading heavy metal, and then I got into all the DC and Marvel, and, and you know, and all that. But then when I yeah, yeah. that's my sweet spot. Heavy I, metal. It's like that's that's why I think I, I ended up being the comic book artist that I became is because I, at the wow. same time I was falling in love with mainstream comics. I found, I discovered heavy metal and Mila Minara and Mobius and, and, you know, that great European, anything goes. I don't love the movie. I love that animated film. It made me, I started listening to heavy metal music because of it. And I used to have t-shirts. Yeah. I was like, 14, you know, so I loved heavy metal. I had to convince my dad to buy it for me, you know, 
<laughs> that's the you ever where, uh, you know the covers were always so like you know provocative, and he's like, I can't buy this for you, but I'm like, no. <laughs> you ever you ever do anything with them at all? Yeah, actually, I met them in Mexico. Uh, one of the editors and a couple of the a lot of the editorial are um, people that I'm friendly with. So I did. I talked to. Uh, I might be doing something in the future for them. I, I uh, hasn't. COVID has sort of made everything crazy, so there hasn't been a lot of follow up. But I had a very nice conversation in uh, in Mexico with one of their editors when I was there for a convention, and we uh, and, and there was interest on both sides. So maybe. <laughs> I hope so. I'd love to. Um, well, you know, I'm heavy metal magazine was like literally the first, one of the first books I ever picked up, um, and heavy metal, the movie, I saw that a million times Yeah. and that's, yeah. Really, uh, Mo- Mo- uh, Moon Lake is my homage to, to heavy metal, the movie, you know, the anthology oh, with the narrator, fun. like, okay. Yeah. So, and, and now I have Moon Lake and I have Brooklyn Gladiator and Fishkill they're all coming out with heavy metal uh, in August. I mean, it, uh, next this coming month. Um, They're so, going to publish it. Yeah, and uh, oh, that's wonderful. And you have a story in uh, in one of the Moon Lakes. Um, yeah, the monkey. You did the uh, the monkey one, the uh, hump monkey ones. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, you know, I that was a, that was like what like a two pager, three pager. Um, I'm I'm working, and and you've done some. Uh, um, you done some pinup work for Brooklyn Gladiator, and uh, you know, so I'm eking my way into trying to. If you have the time, I'm, you know, obviously I'd love to work with you on something, maybe Brooklyn oh, yeah, Gladiator. You know, but now that we're doing more with uh, heavy metal, you know, maybe we, we can team up on a heavy metal story. You know, um, I, I I would be all, I'd be all over that. I'd be very happy to. Collab- I like working with friends, and and I definitely uh, would have a good time working with you. So. Yeah, dude. Um, and uh, so that's that's. I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'm I'm really excited about the boys, man. I'm excited that like you you do this. You know, like it, it's hard to get something to to even be a comic book. It's hard to get something to be a cult, you know, a favorite comic book. And it's hard to get something to. Uh, even this, you know, to become a pilot uh, on yeah. TV, let alone get, me, get a fucking sec, get a second season. I mean, bravo, third. man! Like they, the, we, they, they just pre, they they early announced the third season. So we're going I'm sorry, season third three. season, fucking third season, man! That's incredible. No, and I'm really happy about it. it, and it has. That has everything to do with Eric Kripke and that incredible cast, though. I mean, I, I'm really they're very, they're very nice to me, and, and they're always quick to say, "Oh no, we wouldn't have this without you." And I'm 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 so grateful. I know that it's it, I know it started with me and Ennis, and you know we. But I'm proud of the co-creation, and I'm really proud of that uh, that show. But it's it's so it's a, its own entity at this point that um, I'm just grateful that they are so. Um, respectful to the creators and, 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 and it's, it's exemplary the way they've treated us. And so I'm happy that, um, uh, it, it, it the, the good work that they've done, it, it's reflected in the enthusiasm for the show and the cast is just great. And they're all nice people. And Eric Kripke is a great person. And I just, I'm so happy that they've, they got the tone of the comic right and still were able to do their own thing as a TV show. And that was a real, you know, that's a, that's a hard needle to thread 
but you could tell that Kripke read the comics and was enthusiastic, uh, enthusiastic about the material because it reflects in the show. But the uh, we but they optioned us back in like 2008, and it was like a 12 year journey <laughs> to get from, you know. Uh, wow. To, we 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 watched it almost happen as a film trilogy over and over again. Adam McKay was going to write and had uh, rewritten the script and was going to direct it, and they would not pull the trigger on it because it was around the time like Iron Man had just hit, you know, and they didn't really, like, studios just didn't know what to make of this because it was so dark and it was so bloody and it was so irreverent to superheroes that I don't think people could wrap their head around a show like what we have actually working, and it does. And that's the kind of like the same thing I was going through with Wolverine. Like, you know, like, they couldn't imagine if you upped it to more blood that it, people would still want it. And turns out, like, there was an audience for that, and it just took a little while. But I'm happy because in a weird way, even though there was a lot of disappointment and heartbreak and struggle in the years that we thought, oh, this is going to be the year the movie happens um, and it would change our lives, you know, in those years, just hanging on and keeping the faith and just letting it go and going, okay, well, if it happens, it happens. But I can't because then the world of streaming kind of emerged during that time and now streaming is this major thing. And here the show is finding a whole new audience and a whole life on Amazon Prime in a way that it, it probably wouldn't have done as well as a film. Because in retrospect, now there's more story to tell. And, there's, and you know, Ennis wrote such an incredible uh, canvas to choose from. Like, he, he's, it's such a deep and rich story as it is that it's kind of awesome to see it work as a TV series and knowing that, you know, they put money into it and the people that are working on it are passionate about it. It's, it's been really rewarding because it could have been this other thing. And it's kind of like a good lesson in life of, you know, letting go of what you expect and accepting what you get and then seeing that sometimes that's better, even though if you didn't know that's what was going to happen. I mean, they probably, if I was them, and this is probably what happened, they laid out the fucking, you know, all of the, all of the trades, all of your amazing covers that you did, and they said, holy shit, that's a season, that's a season, that's a season, that's a season. And they were just like, they were just like, you know, the dial, dollar signs. And here you are, you're on your third season. And, I, and, and, and they're using the same exact fucking uh, images for the posters. It's like, that's exactly what they did. They were just like, holy fuck, we can go on. We can yeah. just, here, no, here's everything awesome. laid out they before took... us. No, it's really great. They, that, I think that's one of the most like touching and, mo- and exciting things for me is like they just announced that season two is going to release on September 4th and they take my covers and turn them into posters with the cast recreating them and, and they lie and they're really detailed and careful to bring my work into the show in that regard. That, like, that's a pat on my back. That's like, hey, we see you. You know, it comes from this and that's so cool. <laughs> No, that's your stamp, man. You made you made that. That's what I'm saying when I say that your arm was tied behind your back doing mainstream stuff. You made that's a that's a fucking needle to thread there, man. That's 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 a when you're doing that when you're taking beloved a beloved genre superheroes that can do no wrong and making them do wrong and making them do well, horrendous things. You can't well, you can't it, do that with that. It's it's called the it's it's the you're given you're given the the knowledge with the medicine in that situation. You're 
You're, I mean, I'm sorry. You're given you're given the the medicine with the sugar in that situation. You, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're telling you have to do it in a in a in a fun funny way, or else that that comic book is way too dark. You know. I totally agree, and that's actually one of the things I, I got to say to Kripke. And, and you know, and I, I wouldn't, none of it wouldn't have been possible without you know Garth Ennis's genius at, as well, because it's he, you know, we came up. Uh, you know, this was his uh, inspiration, but I designed everything with him from the ground up, and it was, you know, and the whole thing for me it goes back to like I said what I loved about Space Beaver. Like, I love the contrast. I love that these superheroes, like you know, just like funny animals you know, could do dark things, but if it didn't, if it didn't have any humor in it, it wouldn't be any fun. In fact, I'm rereading Brat Pack right now, uh, which is Rick Veach, and that's like the, you know, he was kind of there before we got there, but, you know, so did Watchmen in a way. So it's right. not like we didn't have any predecessors for this concept, but what I think made the boys unique was how expansive the world was and that the, and the, the PR and the celebrity aspect of things like shrouding it from the people that live within that world, like they can't see it because they, they see superheroes the way our world sees superheroes. And that was, you know, Ennis's original idea is that he was going to bring superheroes into our world and that they would get corrupted by all the, you know, uh, fame and celebrity and everything. And I, I completely got on board with that. So that was, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm super proud of the book. And it's just that's and that's the piece that I think really makes it fit into TV. And especially now, it's like the timing for it couldn't be better. Um, in the book, um, I actually did a nod to the boys in Fishkill. Um, oh, in my new in my new book, Fishkill. Um, there, I love the I love the character Mother's Milk. Um, yeah, big strong, big strong fucking black guy, Luke Cage guy. I love that guy, and I love that he didn't have a choice. He was born into it, you know. I, I, I yeah, I, that was know, that was actually something I contributed to the story with the breastfeeding. That he so got he's it, on he the um, that's yeah, that's brilliant. And he's on the he's on the bridge, right? When the shit house goes up in flames, right? The whole yes, thing. God, one of the most depressing things I ever had to draw and most difficult, <laughs> like just from Brooklyn. Uh, trying to make those, those scenes work. Did you have a connection to the Brooklyn bridge? Oh yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I lived in Brooklyn, I, I lived in Brooklyn uh, for a while. And I also, um, my, my son was born in, uh, in Manhattan when, so I, I lived in New York and, Man and Brooklyn for almost five years. And, uh, um, I, used to, I and I knew Brooklyn well. I used to walk that bridge and drive home across it from Manhattan and in a cabs. Right. In your in your parallel universe of the boys, that the Brooklyn Bridge attack is the equivalent of the nine eleven attack, right? Right. And that was that was a that was an intentional choice by Ennis to show like right. it's our world but it's not our world. It's like the because the superheroes got involved, it didn't hit the trade center, but it did hit the it did hit the bridge. Right. Um, so I put that. And I was li I lived Mike. in New York when nine eleven happened. So it was a yeah, very me personal. Too. Me too. Yeah, me too, brother. And and crazy days, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, and Fishkill is an homage to Luke Cage, to Mother's Milk, to these you know, you know, big strong black characters. Um, awesome. You know, one man, one man against the world, and. 
the big events, the big there's a big you know attack, uh, terrorist attack event that begins the book, and it takes place on the Brooklyn Bridge, and I um, I did that you know kind of subconsciously as a nod to the boys, uh, so just so just so you know that, and um, yeah, that. That nine eleven man, that has influenced a lot of my a lot of my work. Just being in the vicinity of um, those buildings coming down, and I was like twenty yeah. bucks away uh, when it happened, and uh, it sent me down a lot of rabbit holes, man. And and I'll, that's where sure. a lot of um, that's where a lot of the material for you know all the conspiracies, and that's where a lot of the material for the the uh, the books came from. It's the uh, well, that's the big thing is that when you have a, you don't have that uh, feeling of security anymore. You know that that was the weirdest part for me was like just that I I could see it the first tower when it got hit. Um, I got a photograph from my apartment window in Brooklyn. I was across the river, and I could see the World Trade Center from my window uh, on Coney Island Avenue. And so I have photographs of the building you know with the smoke pouring out of it from the first plane hitting and that was and my son was only two years or two weeks old and had just been born so it was like it was so it was so emotional because i had this fragile you know little human being in my in my arms and then the the world seemed like it was coming down around us we didn't know if with more of that shit was going to happen and there was rampant you know worry about okay what's next what's next and and then when the second plane hit the other tower and then they collapsed it was it was surreal and uh, i remember it was uh 8 30 in the morning and i had just gone to bed because uh, we were going to go uh i had uh, we had to go to a wedding in, in kansas city the next day we were all planning to fly out and of course that didn't happen we ended up driving but um it was uh, a beautiful clear blue morning and i had gone to bed after being up all night uh working on of all things the cover for transmetropolitan where spider is kicking over the buildings and all these little people are flying through the air and he's like godzilla Whoa. So I had spent the night before, yeah, I had spent the night before drawing buildings collapsing and little people in the air. And, and it was, I finished that at 8.30 in the morning. And then I was going to go off and get some sleep. I used to, I, I was a night owl in those days. And my wife would get up and she got up with the baby. And I, so I went to lay down for sleep for a few hours. And she came and woke me up like right after I kind of hit the pillow. And she's like, a plane at the World Trade Center, and so we got up. We looked at New York One, and we saw it happening. And I was like, "Well, that's crazy." And that's when I took the photo out the window. And then I watched this. Wow, it must have been an accident. That's weird. Open, you know, I was worried about people going to be okay. And then I said, "Well, they're going to be talking about this all day, so I'm going to go back to bed." And I went and laid back down. And then she came and got me. She's like, "Another plane hit." And I got up. I was no more sleep for me, um, even though I hadn't slept in almost. Uh, you know, 24 hours. So I had, um, but I got up and that was, um, yeah, just the, and then that pure, beautiful blue morning, just the sky turned gray, like it was overcast, but it was all just smoke and ash coming from the from the buildings. And all you'd hear, and like, you know, normally Coney Island Avenue is like, 
really crazy busy and, and loud and trucks going by and people talking and you could hear stuff in the street and it was just silent and then you just hear woo, 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 and it was like you know the sirens going by and then silence again it's really crazy that's crazy about transmetropolitan the spider cover that's crazy yeah they, i know it was you, like you, of all the of all the covers that i could have been working on of all the covers i did for that book like that would be the one I was working on the night of 9/11. Well, Finished it up on 9/11 on the morning of 9/11, 15 minutes before. Tapped into the collective, you know. That's um, yeah. It feels like it, it felt like that. I still and then DC didn't want to run it right away because they were afraid it would be insensitive, and I I agreed, but then it ended up becoming a cover for a trade paperback instead. Do you? Um, so you got the boys. Uh, happy, which was, I mean, that what that was really um, a great show. I got into that; it was really cool. Uh, and I, you, so, so it's rare to have you know your work become TV shows, you know, and go on to have a life outside of comic books, man. Especially if they're independents, like, good for you, man. And and is there? Do you think there's do you think there's uh, a future for Transmetropolitan? I think that Spider's voice would be very helpful tearing down the system right about now, you know? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, but, I mean, do you have other other plans in the works for that? Uh, nothing I can really discuss. So possibly there is a plan for that. Or possibly not. All right. I'll take that as a maybe. Uh, well, I can neither yeah, confirm nor cool. deny. No, I mean, why the fuck I not? If I, listen, I, I, if, I was a, if I was a studio exec, I would just turn to you and just be like, all right, what else do you got? You know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm, you, I'm hoping those days are coming, but uh, so far... It's uh you 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 know better than I do how fickle this business is. So, well, I mean, you know, you're 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 winning the marathon, man, compared to a lot of other people. Um, huh, read thanks. the boys. And... People should read the boys. You people should read Happy Transmetropolitan. What else should they read from you, brother? Uh, well, I'm doing a book called Oliver. Uh, which has been like a slow release, labor love, mostly just due to life getting in the way over and over again. And it is an independent book, so I, I, I can't uh, I can't live on it. I have to do it when I can because it's. Uh, but it's written wonderful story. It's an adaptation of a screenplay uh, with by my friend Gary Witta, who wrote the movie Rogue One and created the Book of Eli with Denzel Washington. So oh, wow. very talented. Very talented writer with a steampunk reinterpretation of Oliver Twist set in a post-apocalyptic London. And uh, we just put out our first trade paperback collecting the first four issues. And uh, I'm about to dive into doing the uh, rest of the story, which we hope to put out, I hope to put out early next year. And, uh, but that's out there now. You can get the trade paperback. It was just released from Image Comics. And uh, again, I'm working on this uh, Hellblazer Rise and Fall uh, with Tom Taylor, and that's due to release in September. And I'm very excited about that. 
and uh, always, you know, kind of developing some new ideas. So sweet, brother. Be safe. Please be stay creative because I love your stuff and and thanks for coming on the show, man. We, we no, got you on. Pleasure, we did it. That's always always great talking to you. You too, man. Um, let's definitely try to. I mean, I know you're busy and the world is falling apart, but. Let's try to figure something out for heavy metal in the near future, right? Yeah, or something original. I'd be, I, I would love to work with you uh, some more. So, always, uh, you're always awesome. in the, always on the short list. Nice. All right, man. I can't see what uh, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. I can't wait to, to finish watching. I'm still on the first season of The Boys, and I'm just fucking loving it. So, um, oh, that's I'm good. Excited. That's got- good because. The- September 4th, uh, season two drops and they're going to go from a, they, they were, instead of all at once, they're going to do the first three episodes, uh, on the fourth. And then it's going to be a weekly thing. Like they'll drop a new episode every week to make the anticipation a little bit more, you know, well, it's like a, you know, it's like a sports team. It's like, like when you, it's like you, it's like, you feel like you own a piece of it. Like you, you feel like you supported all the, all the boys comic books that I bought and you feel like, you know, you're, you know that's that's. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm very proud of of its success, man. That's all I gotta say. Thanks. Um, no, I'm really. I, I, wish I, you... I said it. I think it has everything to do with the, that wonderful cast and the guidance, Eric Kripke, and 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 the great production by Rogan and and Evan Goldberg. So it's great. It's been a really it's been a really amazing ride just to see it come to life and people respond to it. Because, like, like I, I've often said, like, you know, it's one thing if you're watching it and you know you've got an invested interest in it and you think it's great, but if the whole world responds, that's that's when the proof is in the pudding. No, it's striking a nerve because we're at a situation where we are reflecting on what it is, you know, what do the stars and stripes mean? What is it to be American? And yeah, what, what, exactly. What, how, have we, how have we sold our souls, you know? Yeah, what, what kind very of much secrets so. are we hiding? What kind of secrets are we hiding? It's a, it's a very yeah. fucking palatable show, man. I really dig it. Thanks, man. Uh, um, your support means a lot. All right. Uh, this will come up pretty soon, hopefully uh, in tandem with the new season coming out. And um, I wish you well, brother. Let's Let's chat soon. You got it. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay, be good. Take care.